0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. How about where to get more money for your money? How can your money earn more money or little baby money, so to speak? It's tough when you're talking about the world of banks. The average savings account pays just 0.6 tenths of a percent uh, percentage yield. I remember when I was a kid, you could put your money in the bank and earn 3, 4, 5 percent. Woo! Um, it seemed pretty high, 6, 7 percent. And I remember the idea of, ooh, $100 just became $107. Now not so much. So switch to a high-interest online-saving account, and you're going to get maybe 1%. But keep in mind that you're also going to use an online account, and a lot of people are freaked out by that. But as long as your online bank is a member of the FDIC, your deposits of up to $250,000 are insured by the government. You can look for a high-yield checking account. You can get free checking or low monthly maintenance fees. Um, It lets you hang on to more money, but you can do even better by putting your you know, spending money in interest-bearing checking account for sure. Typically, the rates range between 0. 0. 0.01 tenths of a percent, which is nothing, all the way up to 1%, which is almost nothing. But it's better than Whoa. nothing, right? Um, but that's tough to convince people of because they're like, "I want a bigger return. Bigger return on cash equals more risk." Lower return on cash equals less risk. The trick is to keep a close eye on your accounts also to avoid fees that would eat away at the interest that you're earning. Join a credit union. Credit unions are fine. Um, Compared with traditional banks, they tend to pay a higher average interest rate on saving accounts, CDs, money market accounts, and interest-bearing checking accounts. Credit unions are paying on average 0.13%, so almost 10 times what a bank pays. Some individual credit unions members earn yields north of 1%. Not too shabby. Or you could set up like a CD ladder where you're buying a CD that's going to mature in one year, two years, three years, four years, and five years. So you get five different ones. And the five-year CD is going to pay you a better rate than the one year. But it's still not a lot of money. Um, so rather than put ten thousand dollars into one five-year CD, you can divide that up in two thousand dollars to each, and you'll get a better annual, annual percentage yield. Now, keep in mind, annual percentage yields above two percent on five-year CDs are available, so you can get that. But you know, the average is just about one percent. Other stories of news and note today, the Federal Reserve is meeting and big announcements going to come out tomorrow, and we're going to be looking at that to see, are we expecting a rate hike in December? And what about their, uh, their tapering? They've issued cash debt. They've printed cash to buy debt in the United States to keep yields low. Now they're going to let some of that cash debt be bought by other people. Um, Will it have the same effect uh, or will it lead to a recession in the United States? It's a big question. So far, demand for that debt has not been egregiously high. It's been tepid. And you don't want a temper, uh, a taper tantrum, a taper tantrum, a taper tantrum, tantrum. You don't want that. So as we taper our purchases and or as we start selling them of our debt, Let's keep an eye on it. U.S. housing starts fell for a second straight month. Outlook's kind of on the murky side. There's some positive and some data. There was some mixed data. Drones in the next five years are going to grow from an $8 billion industry last year to a $12 billion industry in 2021. That's 50% growth. Um, For the good news is if you've had a kid crash a drone, a lot of technologies that make flying drones easier for beginners are coming. Um, But shipments of consumer drones will more than quadruple over the next five years. I don't want a drone. Growth in the enterprise sector will outpace the consumer sector in both shipments and revenues as regulations open up new use cases in the U.S. and the EU. Uh, two of the biggest potential markets for enterprise drones. Technologies like geofencing and collision avoidance will make flying drones safer and make regulators feel more comfortable with a larger number of drones taken to the skies. So drones still out there iOS 11 is out today. The biggest update will be tied towards augmented reality. Um, Get ready for what analysts say could be as many as 10,000 new augmented reality apps. Uh, Ikea is going to be the big one, the Food Network. Um, And then there's going to be a lot of game developers. So get ready, dancing hot dog. You're about to have augmented reality stars next to you. Control Center was a wonderful update in iOS 11. It lets you change the tools that you care about the most. Um, airplane mode, do not disturb, flashlight, camera, other popular features. You can now add things like voice memos and the home automation tools. Uh, sleep mode, uh, you could put a, f- a more powerful flashlight there. I like the control center update enormously. Apple Pay for Friends is out there. It's going to be taking on Venmo, where millions of students split pizza bills and rent notices via the peer-to-peer app. Apple's bringing the same technology to its text network messages. Um, The advantage over Venmo is no app to install, and Apple already has your banking information on file. There's a Do Not Disturb um, feature, which I'll be interested to see what you think about it. Um, It lets you turn off notifications and other disturbances while you drive. Uh, Remember you first have to agree to turn it on. There's some new filters and compression for photos, which makes storing photos a little bit easier, a little less consuming of your storage. Um, and there's some new filters to jazz up your images. They've got a new expandable keyboard, which will let you select one-handed typing, and the keys will instantly move closer to your thumb. There's a smarter Siri. Um, Siri really hasn't caught on, but um, app developers uh, will be working with a smarter Siri. I think one of the cooler features about Siri now is it just sounds more human. And um, there's going to be some perks tied towards it, like you can say, translate... Uh, into Chinese, and if you go to China, you can actually have a chance to survive <laughs> if you meet someone who doesn't speak English and you don't speak Chinese. Um, it's gonna be more expressive, and be able to translate phrases into other languages. So, um, last year we were told app developers uh, would add Siri to their apps, but that still hasn't really caught on. So the iPad gets the bigger of the two updates as far as features and multitasking and unlocks. Um, there's also a new files app, which I really like, especially if you share information. But it's not revolutionary. It's kind of an evolution, but not a revolution. T-Mobile and Sprint are inactive talks about a merger. So number three is thinking about getting up with number four. Um, you can see positives and negatives with that. Maybe they can compete better with Verizon and Sprint. Or maybe the three of them will start working together instead of offering discounts on phones. Maybe they'll try to differentiate their service by offering things like Netflix or things like HBO or unlimited data fast, unlimited data slow, which may be a $10 swing in quote unquote unlimited data. We learned today that Echofax says it was hacked in March, months before the latest breach. Again, uh, you have to use annualcreditreport.com. You have to start checking your credit. I like using Credit Karma, an app. It will notify you when new um, credit has been issued in your name. Um, You don't have to freeze your credit. I don't recommend that. I consider monitoring your credit much, much more important. Um, I put all my credit cards in my Apple phone so that anytime there's a transaction, it tells me. Um, That's one of the perks of the Apple Pay. Oil price spikes coming in the year 2020, according to the IEA. Uh, So inflation's coming down the road. Uh, Oil fell in 2014 from $100 a barrel to $50 a barrel. And the IEA thinks that there's not been any real big investments in finding more oil. And thus, as the demand continues to be steady or slightly increasing, we're going to run into a problem in the year 2020. 800-516-1220 800 1220 to get your calls on the air. You can always find me online at Rob Black's show. I've got seminars coming up that I'm going to be announcing soon. Next one will be in the South Bay in November. When you do sign up for it, you can use the code radio25 to get in for free. That's radio25. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial.
0: Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and
1: Your Money weekday mornings, seven to nine on AM twelve twenty KDOW. Want well, to talk a little bit about the iPhone right now because it's such an important time in their cycle, coming out with the eight and the ten, and reviews on the eight are currently basically saying it's a great phone. It's a nice improvement, but technologically speaking, Apple is still behind Google and Samsung, but industrial design wise Apple's still ahead of them is Apple a design company or a tech company when Apple released iPhone in 2007 the app store soon followed in 2008 our lives were transformed by that focus of the supercomputer in our pockets now they've introduced a new product when they did their big announcement in early September um, that could eventually replace that cash cow that is the phone um One analyst, Steve Milinovich from UBS, sat down with a reporter and started talking about it recently. And by adding cellular data connection to the next generation of Apple Watch, he thinks that the cellular connection is evidence that we're moving away from the iPhone as the most important device in our digital lives. A lot like the television. Give me a break here, or give me a second here to explain this to you. Um, the quote was, I think eventually all smartwatches are going to have some sort of cellular connection. You're going to want the ability to always be connected and not worry if you're connected to an iPhone or a Wi-Fi network. I think eventually you're going to get to the point where the Apple watch is completely independent of the phone. So says the reporter, it also starts a trend where the iPhone starts to evolve. I don't see the iPhone remaining as some sort of hub in our digital, uh, or tech life. So he sees the smartphone going the way of the TV. Most consumers will still own one, but the emphasis will be move away from it. Televisions are seen more as accessories these days, a place to watch mobile content on a larger screen when it's convenient. A lot of people under 35 watch a lot of TVs, uh, shows, and movies on their laptops or their computers. Um, The analyst said that a lot of people are perfectly happy watching content on those phones and iPads, and when they're in their living room, they'll watch it on the TV. There's a lot of truth to that newest apple watch won't have what it takes for people to leave their smartphones at home for good yet but it's starting that trend for a quick trip to the grocery store or a morning run a watch will be the perfect companion it'll keep you connected enough for emergencies and it'll allow enough access to your streaming music and audio podcast to pass the time um, i picked up a, a watch three because of that cellular connection and also because i didn't really want the watch one or the watch two Uh, It had no interest to me. It wasn't robust enough. I waited for the third generation, and I expect every generation, every two generations from now, to be better and better on the Apple Watch. Um, So the Apple Watch is getting there. I don't think it's there yet, but soon we're going to be talking about smart glasses or contact lenses. Um, Probably the same way we're talking about the watch, where initially we're not all that impressed But as augmented reality technology starts to develop and become mainstream, this is going to, you know, eventually lead to the consumer to become more educated about what augmented reality can do and how best to use it. The iPhone X is the first move towards an iPhone less future on two levels, the augmented reality and the facial ID, where the facial ID technology in a phone unlocks the phone. But soon the facial ID technology could unlock your house, it could unlock your car, it could unlock your living room. Um, and then you start getting artificial intelligence put into it, and suddenly you're getting shows and music that you want and light intensity levels in your home that you want. Um, the iPhone X, that first big move, people aren't going to see it coming. Apple wants to increase its service revenue substantially, which shows the company's trying to diversify its money-making schemes. The iPhone becomes more of a second or third screen for consumer content in the future and a second or third choice for communicating. So Apple wants to eventually get in that TV. They want to eventually get into the car. They want to get in the use that facial ID to really open up the door. Um, you know when you're in your car, your messages are your messages. Um, there's some questions. The, you know the home pod wasn't recently introduced at the early meeting in September. Uh, why? They've been seen out in the wild if you have a wireless search connection you drive through. Minlo park or cupertino you'll see home pods are in people's homes um so they're being tested they're being you know run through the ringer at this point in time they just haven't really been announced and again that's another thing that you'll be able to interact with um and get phone-like functions i question you know let's say i get a risque email from you and you're attractive young woman you're like you're trying to use your sexiness to make an introduction I don't know if I want that on my on my AirPod I don't know if I want that in my car my buddy gets in the car with me and it's like hey Robert it's me Veronica I'm like whoa 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 whoa! turn that off turn that off so there's some questions about the openness of it and uh, you know, the key differentiators out there uh, regardless of how many iPhones are selling right now in my opinion the iPhone is all about design Um, Apple's falling behind its rivals, Google and Facebook, when it comes to technology. But that's okay because they're a design company and they're not trying to be, um, you know, the hottest technology. They're trying to be the most standard, newest technology. Apple's power is found in its industrial design. I think, you know. They are the ones who control product strategy. Even Apple's PR stresses this design focus because they know that's what sets them apart. They know that it's something very difficult for competitors to match. So uh, pay attention to iPhone 10 and get ready to start saying it's less and less important. As uh, I picked up a watch again so that I don't have to have my phone when I go for walks or runs. Um, I have my AirPods, and they're starting to get computer functions built into them as well. Siri's in the AirPods, where if you tap on them and say, give me directions to, you know, uh, the gym, give me directions to Los Angeles or Santa Barbara. Siri can give that to you. If you want to ask Siri any questions, what's the score of the Giants game? It'll now do it. With the phone nearby, once the AirPods get cellular connection, boom, you know, another device is out there that says goodbye to the cell phone. So anyway, this is what I do. I do strategy. Um, you can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. He does the financial planning. I'm more of the strategic guy. Um, you can find out more by listening to a show from 6 to 7 a.m. here on AM 1220 debut from 6 to 7 on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. There's a lot of podcasts out there at Apple. There's a lot of podcasts at kiddow.biz. You can find out more information at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call at 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money, investing, and more. Um, Some other issues that are out there today as far as thoughts to chit-chat about uh, Fed rate hike is coming in December, but more importantly is how the Fed's going to cut their balance sheet over the next two to three years. Um, people think that's going to have a nominal effect on the stock market, but they also see the Fed raising interest rates once in December, three times next year, and one more time in 2019, taking us up to about the 25 to 3% level. Um, thus slowing the economy. But it's interesting because we have asset inflation, but we don't have wage inflation. So our services aren't inflating, but our assets are. Our stocks and our commodities, our homes, um, very divergent opinions on inflation, in my opinion. Something very careful to watch out for because we don't want the Fed to start another recession as they've done so much so in the past. You can find me at robblackshow.com That's com. Catch Rob Black and Rob
0: Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9
1: on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz.
2: And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7.
1: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show and trying to educate yourself a little bit more about some of the financial information that hopefully can get you to retirement. Um, Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, as he always does on Tuesdays at this time. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
3: Hey, Robin. Doing well. Good to be back with you.
1: So um, I saw a financial quiz, and I won't tease you with uh, the questions and answers on the financial quiz, but it was things like, if you purchase a bond and interest rates rise, what will happen to the price of the bond? And needless to say, most Americans just completely failed this test. Um, that's one of the things that I dig about what you do is that you're kind of making financial information a little bit of a bridge to the average person and to the savvy people. Briefing.com is pretty robust as far as the information that it has, uh, but it's also not intimidating. Um, what's your thoughts on financial education? You're a family man, so you can throw that in there. You're a, a businessman, so you can see other people starting the workforce right next to you, some of the millennials per se. Um, what's your thoughts on the state of financial education in the United States?
3: Um that it could be better <laughs> <perhaps. Okay. laughs> that's so, fair. i mean when, when uh, you also see you know reports about you know how much you know, most Americans have in their savings accounts these days um you know part of that is is you know an unfortunate circumstance but um but you know essentially impressing upon people the need to have an emergency fund, you know, that they can tap into, um, you know, when unforeseen things arise, you know, that's just, you know, one element uh, that I think people tend to forget. But also the, you know, other aspect of of carrying, uh, you know, excessive credit card debt where you're just constantly paying high finance charges and never really paying down the principle of that. And, you know, I think uh, those are the types of things, you know, you have to start early because it can be a slippery slope for a lot of um, people who are not fully informed about those risks.
1: I think a lot of people would rather talk the birds and the bees with their kids than talk finances with their kids, and that's just odd. And people like you and I, we've got this, like, magic trick where once the people learn that we're in finance, they kind of warm up to us, and they're like, can I ask you a question? I can't tell you how many times at the gym people are like, can I ask you a question? What do you think about the Federal Reserve? And um, it's cute. But anyway, back to what you and I do uh, on a daily basis. Uh you write the page one article every morning for briefing.com. It's where I start my research. Uh, you bring up the Federal Reserve meeting on Wednesday being a biggie. Um, what are your thoughts on the Federal Reserve? And do you think it has t- uh, potential to change the market from a bull market to maybe something else? Or do you think it's uh, a little overvalued at this point, uh, a little over uh, hyped at this point?
3: Yeah, well, this—I mean, this particular meeting—I uh, don't think is going to, you know, upset the bull market dynamic. Um, but I think there are still a lot of people that are are waiting anxiously to, you know, to hear what the Fed say, says. Says uh, not so much as it relates to uh, the interest rate decision that, that tomorrow's meeting. Uh, the market fully expects that there will be no change in interest rates. Um, you know, everyone's waiting to hear if the Fed is going to you know, announce the uh, start of their balance sheet normalization process. Uh, and they're also going to be paying close attention to what the so-called dot plot is implying about the future uh, policy rate path. Um, and that is, that's where I think the real focal point will be, though, is, you know what is the Fed projecting for uh, future rate increases? You know, uh, might it take down its, uh, its target for what it sees as a, a neutral rate? Um, and if you see that neutral rate come down, uh, I think, if anything, <clears throat> it could help prolong this bull market. Because the excuse me, the persistence of low interest rates has been, you know, an essential driver of of this market activity, where you see a, a propensity to continue to buy on dips, uh, you see a propensity to continue to rationalize lofty valuations, uh, and it's all predicated on this persistence of low interest rates. So, if the Fed is going to be dialing back its, you know, its its uh, expectation for what that neutral rate ultimately is, um, then the market could ultimately take some comfort in that uh and continue on its way
1: so let's shift back to the realities of the market and and not necessarily the federal reserve and their impact on the market because they're kind of the financial engineers the higher rates lower rates Uh, what do you feel about the fundamentals the corporate america the uh the average joe going to work nine to five where are we at economically speaking as a nation
3: well, it is kind of a, it is a source of debate. You know, the, uh, what you see in terms of what the unemployment rate is, you would, you would think that uh, everything's great, right, at 4.3% unemployment rate. Um, but at the same time, um, you're not seeing much growth in average hourly earnings. And so that's somewhat perplexing there. And you need that growth in uh, income, if you will, to help drive stronger levels of consumer spending, which will ultimately drive stronger levels of economic activity starting to see things pick up a little bit, uh, but certainly not uh, commensurate with what we're seeing in terms of where the unemployment rate is today. Um, So, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the fundamental backdrop of things here, though, you know, a strengthening labor market is is a good thing. Um, Low inflation is a good thing. Uh, corporate earnings growing is a good thing. Uh, corporations that have a ton of cash on their balance sheet—that's uh, uh, a good thing because it's you know it's money that is idle right now, but can be used for reinvestment, ideally in you know equipment and software that helps drive stronger levels of business activity. Uh, that's been held back in recent years uh, because there's been so much uncertainty about the political climate, uh, what's going to happen with fiscal policy. So. Um, so fundamentals, though, are are okay. You know, they're okay to improving. I think, and, and that's a, a positive consideration here. Which is why, if you can continue to have this persistence of low interest rates uh, that, that coincides with low inflation uh, and continued earnings growth, then the whole market, you know, will find a rationale. I think to continue to uh, to continue. Um, you know, even though you have historically high valuations, but. Uh, those, like I said earlier, those high valuations continue to be rationalized by the persistence of low interest rates. Um, So it will be when that dynamic changes, if interest rates are going up and going up quickly or or if inflation is rising and rising quickly, which will, of course, necessitate higher interest rates from the Federal Reserve. That's when the dynamic will change for the bull market.
1: (laughs) What are you working on right now? Because I know you have a big picture column that comes out at the end of the week, and I think they're always insightful. Um, a much longer read, and again, not, not a book, not a novella, uh, but a good read, and it really gives a good you know, uh, digestible, uh, big old set of nuggets on uh, the market and your market views, and taking a look at you know inflation sometimes, and yields at other times, and taxes, and I always like when your stuff comes out on Friday, because I get excited by it.
3: Well, thank you first of all. And secondly, sure. um I think, you know, in all likelihood, where uh, where this week's big picture will be going will be determined by, you know, what we hear tomorrow from the Federal Reserve. Um, it's hard okay. you really can't overlook <laughs> that uh that meeting and and its big picture implications. So, give me some perspective on that. Uh, and with every weekly update to the big picture, it's basically a stepping stone to a, you know, a market view update that I provide on a quarterly basis. Uh, and I just uh, updated our market view last week. Find um, uh, that we're still somewhat cautious-minded as it relates to the market outlook, just given where we are with valuation. But ultimately, uh, pointing out that the the structure there for a continuation of this bull market remains intact with low interest rates, low volatility, low inflation, continued earnings growth, and of course, you have this promise of tax reform that continues to hang on the near horizon. So, um, so those are all good things, and so we just keep. You know, measuring things from week to week in terms of how the uh, the chessboard is changing, if you will, and, and certainly the Fed is a, is a key player on that chessboard. And so we'll uh, we'll take stock of that after the meeting.
1: Without being um, challenging, you've always kind of had a ch- uh, a cautious outlook. There's always a wall of worry out there. Sometimes it's the market succeeding in a high oil environment or a high inflation environment or a new presidency. Is there something to be said for cautiously smart, um, kind of blending two words that don't necessarily work together on their own, but they mm-hmm. kind of make sense in the world of investing?
3: Well, yes, because you know, and, and I think one has to also understand that you know it, it, everyone's risk tolerances are different. Uh, so when right. I provide a market view update, it's it's written with a very general framework. So as if it might be a say the investor who's thinking about uh, putting new money to work in an index fund um, on a shorter term basis. I think we, uh, you know, have enough history on our side, plenty of data that suggests that the stock market is a great wealth creator over the long term. So a lot depends on where you are with your risk tolerance and where your timing is for cash needs and perhaps needing to sell stock to raise cash in whatever circumstance might, might call for it. So, um, so being cautious minded here, I think we, you know, we know uh, having been through the dot com bubble and through the financial crisis, um, that uh, you can't ignore valuation forever. I mean, it ultimately is going to matter, uh, and it could matter quickly and abruptly uh, if you see uh, if you see things that are going to disrupt that bull market mindset, namely a spike in interest rates. Right. So you have to be mindful of that, um, and especially because you're starting a high. Oh, a high starting point evaluation, you must accept the, the reality that you're likely looking at lower, longer term returns because of it. So, uh, it takes, uh, it makes sense to be prudent here, certainly after we've had such a tremendous run where a lot of very easy money has already been made. Uh, and now I think, uh, you get into the point of trying to assess what the risk reward potential is here over the short term. Uh, and given that you're starting with that high valuation, it seems as if there's greater risk than reward, uh, in the, in the near term.
1: Thanks for your help. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com, a source of good independent information, both globally and domestically. You can find out more at briefing.com. He starts at the page one. There's analysts who cover technicals, the story stocks, the IPOs, the daily analysis. You can punch in a ticker symbol like Apple and uh, see the last 90 days of research that's come out. Not all research. It's not that comprehensive. It can't be. There's too many research houses out there. But you can find out more information at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Don't forget there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Just so you know, if you got a iPhone SE 5s, 6, 6s, 6s plus, 7, or 7 plus, you can get the brand new iOS 11 as of today. Notice that it doesn't go all the way back to the fours and situations along those lines. Um, in large part, worthy of note that um, Apple makes you upgrade. Their software stops working with older phones. So downloads are available today. Um, I have the software. I've had it for about three or four months as a beta, and uh, it's pretty good. I like some of the changes in the control panel and photos enormously. Uh, you can find out more by figuring out your own Apple phone, blah, 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 blah blah uh, Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He does a show from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays on wealth. Today, he talked a little bit about taking his kid for college tours. Um, interesting note how expensive college is and how inflation on college is jumping at about 8% per year. It's expensive. Chad?
2: Chad Burton, certified financial planner. So, last Thursday and Friday, I did one of... Well, four more to go. College visits with my soon-to-be 18-year-old son. He's a high school senior. feel like we're a little bit behind on this because we were going to visit a couple over summer session, but just weren't able to find the right times to do that. But we went to Texas Tech. So my son does want to be in my business. He loves investing, loves the idea of financial planning. Um, so several schools now have a personal financial planning degree. It's an actual degree now. I took finance at Portland State and honestly did really nothing for me in this business. While I was at Portland State, I did all the certified financial planner coursework and that was huge. It was intense, hardcore training on taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning. Hardest test I ever took. So of all my college finals, the CFP exam was tougher than anything. 55% national pass rate on the first try um so here's some of the things you do when you're when you're going to colleges to visit them. You know, find out what the freshman retention rate is. find out what the six year graduation rate is. Will you have to fight for the major that you want, or is it pretty outlined pretty well and that flows and you can get classes because a lot of colleges in the u c system you're going for five years if you want a major uh it, it, because you 're fighting for your classes, so you have to realize that because it could be an extra year of cost as a parent. How does the Career Center help kids prepare? Who are the top 10 companies hiring graduates in your major? Um, Basically, also what uh, Lisa Steele, a college advisor that I've had on the air before, was saying, make sure that the kid joins three clubs and then drops one of them. Um, After they go through it and they say, okay, pick two clubs, because if you are in two clubs and maybe a fraternity or something else, you don't have as much pressure to constantly do something social every night if you're only in one club. Because if that club is doing something on a night where you really have to study and your other club is doing something the next night when you don't, it's a little bit easier. The kid has to really be able to picture themselves at that campus for four years and be okay with it. For example, Texas Tech, the campus is beautiful, amazing, it's huge, second, second or third largest in the nation. But my God is Lubbock, Texas, boring as can be. There's just nothing to do there. So that's what we were struggling with. So we were trying to find students through the personal financial planning program to talk to that had come to Texas Tech. They don't live in Texas. Most of the kids did live in Texas. So we talked to a kid from Idaho and a kid from Seattle that transferred there. And they're like, you know, once you get here, you get plugged into the different groups and your life is pretty much the campus and the school. And they they don't even notice being gone from home because they're there to finish. We also learned by talking to the actual director of the program that he's in that here's how you get scholarship money. And by the way, if they qualify for just a thousand dollars a year scholarship money, they get in-state tuition immediately. That's going to save me like twelve thousand dollars a year. Um, so going to the school and actually talking to the directors of the program that you want to be in setting an appointment with them is very, very key. Now, look, if your kid's going to go to college next year, their essay, their personal essay that they need to write with submit with their applications should be done by now and being edited by somebody. If you need a a referral to somebody that kind of helps with that, shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. Um, Very, very important to get that done right away. This is an area where I feel like we're behind quite a bit. Luckily, my son is a really good writer, so I'm not too worried about that. But we've got three more visits to cram in before applications start to go out. Um, Investing for college—mentioned this a little bit last week—but 529 plans are kind of the main way to save for college in the future because it's—you can put money into a 529 plan; it grows tax-deferred and tax-free as long as it's used for uh, tuition books, room and board for college. Um, it becomes usually more conservative as the child ages. So if your kid's past 14, I wouldn't even bother. It's too late. Pay down your mortgage, sock money away into a Roth IRA and hope you qualify for financial aid, which by the way, if your kid's a senior, that, that application's coming up real soon. Um, And so before you start saving money, speaking of that, if you think you will have any hopes of financial aid at all, and you can go to collegeboard.com, Saving for College. There's lots of different websites that I've mentioned in the past you can go to. Um, If you start saving money outside of your retirement account, you could actually mess up the ability to get financial aid. So you have to be careful. That's why, fine, if your kid's younger... Start socking money away into a 529 plan after you've maxed your 401k and maxed out your Roth IRA. It's very important you stuff money away in your retirement accounts that grow either tax-deferred or tax-free for yourself, where they don't count for college, rather than giving up your retirement and saving for college. Look, people can work their way for college. I know it's expensive, but especially if kids are younger these days,
1: college is going to change. The
2: costs are out
1: The costs to send your kid to college at this point in time are high enough that you really need to be cautious on your priorities. And your number one priority should be saving for retirement. I know that sounds crazy. I've got a baby. He's beautiful. But your number one should be what you do from age 60 to 100. You can always send your kid to college slowly. They can do community college. They can do some great community college and kind of grow up and kind of learn what the whole game's about in the first place. No shame in that. Um, 800-516-1220. Teacher calls on the air. I'm Rob Black. You were just listening to CFP Chad Burton. He's on both um, Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Find him at newfocusfinancial.com.